Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all alone. But feeling good and feeling strong, knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself, I'm driving. Hey y'all, I'm Jules. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa, the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly, what's up? Hey Jules. Yeah, what's up? Well, it's raining. It's right. It's not really news here though. It rains every day. (laughs) Well, we sent you ours. Yeah. Yeah, we sent you ours because it's been raining over here pretty much every day, every afternoon, you know, yeah, so tis the season for eight months out of the year. So, <laughs> so it's raining. Big surprise. I just volunteered uh, to work for the local community theater with helping to park cars for their events. And it's, it's 20 minutes of standing outside and, and directing traffic, right? No big deal. Um, but I realized after I volunteered for a whole bunch of different spots that it was in the late afternoon, which means that it basically I'm going to be standing in the rain the whole time. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm be like, 20 minutes is no big deal unless you're in the rain. <laughs> like, this is going to suck. <laughs> no. This, see, this is an opportunity to pay a tribute to I'm singing in the rain. And then you can dance in the rain. <laughs> yes, I could. And then I need to have a change of clothes in the car. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Singing, just singing in the rain. rain. (laughs) So what has been your favorite part about Panama so far? Mm, Wow, that's that's a hard thing. I mean, it's I think it's the cloud forest. So we literally live in a valley and I'm at thirty five hundred feet and so the clouds are sometimes above us and sometimes not. And they call it the cloud forest because 
inevitably there are clouds in the forest as you look at them. And I just love that. I love that term. It's so appropriate because it's so real, right? But it's also just, it's such a beautiful visual, right? And we go out and every day the sky is different. And every day the mountains look different. And every day the clouds are in a different place. And sometimes the clouds are at our front door, you know? (laughs) I mean, sometimes we're in, last night we were in the cloud. It was literally fogging, right? It was foggy, right? So, you know, we get a lot of fog because sometimes the clouds land on us, right? (laughs) And so that's what fog is. Clouds land on you. Um, And sometimes they just rain on us, you know? It reminds me of my my favorite quote ever from a book, which was from uh, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish by uh, Douglas Adams. And it was, uh, the book said, uh, for though he did not know it, Robert McKenna was a rain god. The clouds longed to follow him, to worship him to water him. <laughs> I was just like, well, okay. <laughs> I love that. It makes that me That is awesome. That's fun. I like right? that. Yeah. So it's part of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy. It's the fourth book in the increasingly misnamed trilogy. Yes. Would that be a quadruply? Oh, well, it's actually five <laughs> books. So it would okay. be a quadrilogy. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it would be a quadrilogy. Or, no, Qu- quad would be four. It would be a quin- quintilogy. Right? Quintilogy, Quintilogy, yes. Yeah, yes. something, I don't know. But he just kept saying the fifth book in the ever-increasingly misnamed you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy, right? Yeah, because that's really in line with the whole theme. Yeah, yeah. It completely makes sense. Yes, yeah. And if you've read the books, it's totally on point for the books. <laughs> it's totally in alignment with the storyline and everything. Yeah. So today, we're going to visit a topic again the right magic for the right application. Yeah. The last time we did this, I had multiple people go, oh my God, best episode ever. Can you do that again? Can you do more of that? Oh my God. I love that. Oh my God. It was my favorite thing. And I'm like, okay, I will be like, oh my God, I'm so happy to give you exactly what you want. If you ask me for it, I'm happy to give it to you. This is why you want to get on the mailing list. This is why you want to write to me. This is why you comment on your on the posts and things like that, because then you get what you want, because I got nothing else to do but to give you exactly what you want, because that makes me happy and it makes me not have to work so hard. So thank you for that. And <laughs> yeah, I'm all good with that. And by the way, we are we are we have been charting consistently in Slovakia. I was like, I'm going to say Slovenia and it's going to be Slovakia or I'm going to say Slovakia and it's going to be Slovenia and I will be offending someone. And I wanted to get it right. So Slovakia, Slovakia. And so if you are one of the people who are listening from Slovakia, this is a personal call out to say thank you so much for getting us to rank in Slovakia because, you know, that's just fucking awesome. And it's going to make me go and do some research and figure out where that is because I know it's, it's a, uh, uh, it's, you know, somewhere in the, uh, you know, the uh, Cyrillic, Cyrillic is not the right word, but you know what I mean? In Slavic, Slavic, in the Slavic area, I believe. So, um, if, if that's you guys, please, thank you. I love you. You're awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, in, in Central Europe. To get to that. Central yes. Europe and bordered Central by Europe. Poland to the York, to the, to the York, listen to me, to the North, <laughs> Ukraine to the East, Hungary to the South, and Austria to the Southwest, oh, and Czech so Republic be, to the Northwest. 
Yeah. So given the state of Ukraine, it could be some Ukrainians and they're helping me helping it out, too, because they they might be refugeeing there. So, um, yeah. So freaking awesome. Thank you. Thank you for the for the charting. I appreciate that. All right. On to the topic, because we are like twiddle fucking around today. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those days uh, we're, we're laid know, back. We're rolling. It, yeah, it is what it is. So so we're you've got this long list. So to remind everybody, if, if you weren't here for the first episode that we did of this, Jewel had this long list. And when she first started working with me, she had this long list of I want to spell for this. And she made this huge long list for me because I was like, well, tell me what you guys want and, you know, I'll see what I can do, blah, blah, blah. And and she sent me this massive list. And so what I realized when she sent it to me, I was like, look, some of this stuff you don't do spell work for. Some of this stuff you do other things. And let's let's talk about it. And so she sent me this list and we took and we did, I don't know, like 10 in the last episode. And it was like 48 things on the list. So we've got a few more episodes to go through. If you have things that you would like to do magic for that you think that you would like to have me say yes or no, or yes, do it this way or that way, send it in. We'll add it to the list and we will get through all of these eventually. So which one looks interesting to you today? Let's see. I'm being drawn to this one. Help me find a lost item. Help me find a lost item. Okay. So the first thing I want to say is if you have a lost item and it's in your house, it is very possible that the fairies took it. They, there are fairies called borrowers and they have a tendency to take things just to mess with you because it entertains them to watch you wander around your house looking for something that they've got in their hands. And so they love that. So the first thing I do if I have done a cursory glance of my home and it's not where I expect it to be is I yell at the fairies and I say, give it back. And they they giggle and it appears right next to me. <laughs> you know, I look down and there it is right next to me. And I'm like, not funny. And had it like, been a snake, it would have bit you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They think it's hysterical. So very first thing is if you've lost something in your own home, ask for the fairies to give it back. You can do what I do or you can be kind. I'm I'm I have no patience for things messing with me, so I tend to me <laughs> I tend to not be very kind when I yell it. But um yeah, they think it's hysterical. Uh so that's the first thing I'm going to say. Uh second thing is that if it's something that you've lost when you're out and about, right? That's a little different. You're that's unlikely to be fairy related unless you're in somebody else's home and that has borrowers in it, you know, um, in which case, you know, same rule applies. But if you were like out on the street, you dropped your wallet or, you know, whatever, right. Then that's, that's a different thing. So you could, so there's a couple of ways to do it. You could scry for it um, and like use a pendulum over a uh, map and you guys, if you've ever seen the old, the old charmed, they used to do that all the time, right? Uh, but it works, right? You could it's do a locator that. spell. Yeah, locator spell, right? Um, I mean, it's not going to pull to one location like you see there. That's complete bullshit. But, oh man, just uh, pop my bubble, why don't you? <laughs> ah, sorry. Um, so you could do that. Um, you could also just run your finger along the map and just sort of, you know, if you could retrace your route and and run your finger along the map and see where it, it feels different. But it's a very subtle thing. So you'd have to be good at that. 
The other thing you could do is call it back to you. Everything that exists has its own energy and its own beingness. And so you could just simply put the energy out, uh, you know, push your energy out and look for it um, and call it back to you and say, come back to me, right? Now, when you do that, you may not get the exact thing back because you're calling back the energy of the thing. So if you're not very specifically connected to the very specific energy of that thing, and let's say you lost a necklace that is just a general necklace, not, oh, this was my grandmother's necklace that she'd owned for her whole life and she gave to me, whatever, that that you're more likely to find directly. But a general necklace that you bought from a store that you haven't had for very long is just going to have basic necklace energy, right? And so when you reach out for it, it probably hasn't been tuned to anything more specific than general necklace energy. And so what may happen is that you reach out and call it back to you and you get a different necklace. And so your your results may vary is what I'm saying. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. If you think it's been stolen from you, then that's a different issue, right? Because then now you've got victim energy going on, you've got, um, you know, malice of intent going on, and you've got all kinds of stuff like that. And then that becomes more about um, looking at why you've manifested somebody stealing from you and why it is that you, you know, why you're creating drama in your life and things like that. And, and those sorts of things become more of the question rather than the, um, you know, the calling of the thing back. Because when your intent is fighting with the intent of someone who already has the item, you know, ownership is nine tenths, right? <laughs> You know, possession is nine tenths, right? Um, so you're going to have a harder time calling that back if they decide to keep it. Now, if they sell it, if they pawn it or something, then you could potentially find it again by calling it back to you and having and then just paying attention when your your intuition says, oh, turn right on this street. Oh, go into that store. See what's there, right? Um, the, you may find your necklace there or, you know, whatever, right? So that sort of thing. Okay. So kind of keeping with this theme, this actually happened to a friend of mine. Um, she actually quite literally left her purse on top of her car as she drove off. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Yeah. Right. Oh, yes. I've seen so, that happen. Right. Yeah. And so next day she went back, course, purse is gone, all of that. And so her fret was that, you know, she wasn't expecting to get anything back, but someone stealing her identity, racking up charges on her credit cards. Is there a type of protection spell or um, some other way ritual to help protect against someone doing that type of harm to you? So in general, I would say that putting energy up around that without something specifically like that happening to you where you've you've lost your wallet and stuff, I would not do that because it is more likely to draw it to you because you focused energy around it. And so I would I would not do it just sort of in general unless you've had that experience, okay, or you have something that's causing it. 
in terms of, you know, you've lost your, your purse and it's, you know, fallen out and whatever, I would rather than saying, don't steal my identity because that puts that energy into the world, right? I would instead say, have my things returned to me or have them go to compost, right? That they get thrown away, right? Um, and, and to say, you know, may they, uh, you know, I would put out an intention that says, you know, may these things return to me or be returned to the earth, right? And that way it's a, you know, these are, this is my intention for what it is. And I'm holding that as the outcome rather than saying, don't do this, right? Because that manifests the undesired outcome. That's actually, that's actually cool that you said that because I didn't think about it until actually I asked, just asked that question. So um, in the parking lot of David's Bridal, um, found someone's passport, gentleman's passport. And so I'm like, how do I get this back to him? Well, I was reading on the website. Oh, you're supposed to mail it back to the passport people. Then they, he doesn't get it back. They just trash it. So I was like, let me try another different way. So um, actually, I had one of our investigators. I gave it to him. And he's like, oh, he says, no problem. I'll take it to the post office. And with certain type of steps that were done in place, they were actually able to get it back to him once they verified that it was him because they could pull out. I couldn't get that information. They had, they had access to it. Um, and so I was like, well, that's cool because now his passport's being returned to him. So it kind of goes hand in hand with what you just said. So there you go, kids had it fallen into someone else's lap. Who knows what, but because of me, I'm like, no, this dude needs his passport back. Right. Well, and, and the interesting thing is, is that you asked me what I like the most about Panama. Jeff has actually left two things um, and where he lost them, he left a $400 pair of headphones uh, sitting on the table at the bank when we were getting our bank accounts set up. And he, he dropped his phone out of his pocket in the backseat of a taxi the next day. And he called the bank the following day and they said, oh, yeah, we've got your headphones. Just come and get them. And he called his phone from my phone. And the person who was in the back of the taxi answered and said, oh, yeah, well, I'm in downtown right now, but I'll, I'm heading back to, you know, the, the area right near us that's a, a little plaza, right? Uh, and, you know, I can call you when I'm, when I'm back at the plaza and you can come and get it. And he's like, that'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, This is what I love about Panama. Okay. Panama is a very poor country in, in general. And yet these very expensive items came back to him with no problem. They would have disappeared in the U.S. They would have been gone. Oh, what a wonderful society. I just, well, I was talking about that with a friend not uh, the other day about how, you know, you used to could leave your doors open and unlocked. And, you know, you go out, the kids go out to play. Then when the light comes on, that's when, okay, come on back. And you didn't have to worry about anything, you know. Oh, oh, for those good days. All right, let's see. Okay, so let's say someone's getting married, couple's getting married, and mm -hmm. they want to incorporate, they're going to have their traditional wedding, I do, do you, do you, but they want to incorporate some magical aspect or ritual into that ceremony. Um, mm -hmm. Is there something that they can do that's not necessarily traditional in the wedding sense and more magical kind of thing? Yeah, Absolutely. There are multiple things. In fact, Jeff and I did this when we got married. So um, the first thing we did was we set space. 
And so we smudged every person who walked into that container. We had a ritual team who set the container. They called in the quarters. They We smudged every person who walked into the container. My father had a little bit of a, you know, what is this about it, right? Um, and uh, we, uh, we had a... a a Christian officiant, which is a, which was his mother, because she's a minister, uh, and uh, we had a pagan officiant, you know, a shamanic officiant, which was Kathy, and so we they, they shared it right, and uh, we did a hand fasting, which is a traditional pagan uh, ceremony. It's typically for the engagement, where you take a long uh, rope of some kind, and you wrap it around the, the couple's hands as they're holding hands and it, it fasts them together, right? It's fastening them together, right? And um, so that's done with like a, a, a blessing of three, you know, like three different blessings that are offered as you wrap that around, right? Um, you can do what's known as jumping the broom, which is jumping over an actual broom, which is to join to join together and jump the broom into your new life together. Um, the broom being, you know, a, a, a marker of protection, right? Um, I don't know if you know this, but the honeymoon is actually a, uh, a traditional ritual that was you were to have something with honey in it every day for 30 days or for 28 days, an entire moon cycle, right? Uh, after you get married, that you have to eat something every day for 30, for 28 days with honey in it, because that puts sweetness into your marriage was the idea. Okay. I did not know that. I never knew that's where that came from. So there's all kinds of, you know, underpinnings to, to wedding ceremonies that a lot of people don't know the, the, uh, the foundations for, you know, I, I won't get into what the veil represents. <laughs> <laughs> I just tell up. my, I, I just, yeah, we're just going to leave that there. I tell my brides, you were veiled from your husband. Then after you say I do, you get to flip the veil to the back and he gets to see a shoulder now. But before you say I do, all he sees is the face. We're going to go with that. <laughs> that might be an episode unto itself. <laughs> I have to filter myself at work. I can't not filter. We, you know, uh, the unity candle is actually ma- a magical thing as well. It's, but it's traditional for Christian ceremonies. So the idea of two candles lighting a single flame. Pouring together too. Yeah. The sand pouring together. I, I don't, I'm not as big a fan of that. I don't know why. Um, I, it feels codependent to me. <laughs> it's like mixing my energy with the other person. It's, it's one thing to, to say that we're, we're joining our flames together because flame is like purposeful and focused and directed. And whereas sand is sort of, stagnant and still and you know just doesn't feel the same to me i don't know i never liked the sand thing so we didn't do that we did the unity candle that's okay when you're bringing in fire fire i would imagine that was some sort also some sort of purification kind yeah. of thing too well and and that's the other thing is that if you're going to do magic at your ceremony you really should hand out the actual flyers that i you know i wrote these <laughs> I wrote these flyers so that we would hand them out so that everybody would understand what the rituals were that we were doing. And then I forgot to bring them. So (laughs) everybody was like, that was cool. I don't get what it was, but it was cool. But it was cool. (laughs) But it was cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we, we called in the circle. We released the circle at the end. We did the whole nine yards. So we even did magic on the, uh, on the tables. 
on the table settings. So we, we actually had the centerpieces for the table represented earth, air, fire, and water. Oh, you so brought in all the elements. We brought in all the elements on every single table. And we actually um, looked up mythology from the, uh, we looked up mythology of, you know, mythological love stories that had good endings. And each table had a mythological love story on it that people could read. I like, okay, you're giving me, I've already mentioned, I've already had our wedding, but we're going to have some, you know, reunions, not reunions, what you call that, vow renewals coming up. And I was, oh, we're, we're going to be doing some of this. I like that. I like that. Okay, let's see. Um, as we're getting ready to plant fall gardens, um, how can, uh, what can I do to help my garden be bountiful? Well, definitely invite the fairies because they will make things grow, right? Um, and then, you know, it's about, so Mother Earth right now is a bit overtaxed. So, you know, you, you got to help her out because shit's going sideways with the clo- with the global warming. So, um, the, you know, in general, and I, I got to be really honest with you here. This is, I, I suck at this. So I'm going to give you, I, I planted a garden twice and I got jack all from it. I mean, I got next to nothing out of it, it you know. Okay, but mine's been doing amazing. <laughs> My fairies are awesome. <laughs> we did raised bed gardens with fabric, you know, garden containers. And I think that they just dried out too much. So, and I'm lazy and I don't like to go out and water every day. So, you know, yeah. You got to not be lazy is basically what it comes down to. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'll plant the garden. It takes 10 minutes to put these in the garden. Okay. Oh, well, let's do another one. That'll be fun. I'm, you know, I'm happy to go out and buy the plants and plant the plants and look at the plants and tell them they're pretty and harvest the plants. But, you know, the figuring out when to put in the fertilizer and when to do the watering and, you know, <laughs> That, yeah. that is not your forte. Not my thing. Yeah, I, I really wish it were because I love the idea of gardening, but I suck at it. So, uh, but you know, you got to take care of the plants. You got to pay attention to them. You got to be present to them. You got to be out there. It's you know, gardening's an everyday process, and that's why I sucked at it. So, because I'm I'm not an everyday anything girl. So, <laughs> let, let, luckily, my my husband uh, he grew up in a, on a farm. And, you know, um, his job, they had eight and an eight acre garden. This is for a household. They had, you know, eight acres. His job was to hoe. And so by the time you get done hoeing, it's time to hoe again and you just keep hoeing. So before school, after school, the whole nine yards. So um, he's got the gardening thing down. So uh, so we planted the garden and our okra, I think, is over 10 feet tall now. It's crazy. Yeah, I've never seen okra, and it goes straight up. And so he, we're experimenting now. He chopped it off to see if he can, if it'll bush out now. But we have had so much okra, so many tomatoes. I have, I put up thirty-five bags, like gallon size, uh, scratch that, half gallon size bags um, of squash, summer squash, and then we we had cucumbers coming out of our ears. So I did pickle stuff. I made sweet relish, all kind of stuff. And um, but I went at them like, well, it has to be on the right face of the moon. And I don't remember that. So I always look it up. And I said, I'm going to go do do my ritual. So I said, you know, it, it's going to be fine. I keep my fairies happy. Every Tuesday they get milk and honey. Well, 
If you want the traditional version of how to get a good harvest, you have sex on the field before you plant. Well, I can't do that because my neighbors are right there. But they would do it in the middle of the night. That's what the May Day celebration was back in the day. May Day was a fertility rite where the men would go and get the pole and the women would prepare the hole. And then they together would put the pole, the men would put the pole in the hole. And then together they would, they would take those ribbons and they would weave them together in a ritual act of fornication via symbology. And then they would go out and have sex, not with their partners, most often just randomly. It had to be somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't have to be, but it was often somebody else. And uh, they would go out and have sex on the field. And then any child that was born of that coupling was known as a child of the May and was expected to be uh, magical in nature and blessed. So that's the traditional. So have sex on your field. So have sex on the field. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've also heard, um, is it, I heard one lady, I was re- doing some research where one lady actually um, uses her menstrual cycle and she dilutes it with water and then she puts it on in her garden and does that. If you're the only one eating it, then that's fine. But bloodborne illnesses can be passed that way. So I would not recommend that. And that's why I didn't do it. I was, I was worried about that. Bloodborne illnesses can be passed along that way. That's not really your best bet. But it's not uncommon uh, for there to be rituals where uh, women will, who are menstruating at the same time will all get together and bleed directly onto the earth, not for fertility purposes, but just as a offering their blood to the earth as a, as a you know, a, a ritual. So... This is just, it's just kind of working, it's flowing, because my next one was, you know, you mentioned that Mother Earth was taxed. What can we do as individuals to help heal Mother Earth? I mean, I know globally we're doing stuff, but I mean, like, say, on in my backyard, is there something that I can give back to Mother Earth or a way in which I can help her heal? So, if you had asked me this question five years ago, I'd have said, Mother Earth is a big planet and she doesn't need your help. You know, I'd have been like, that is just the height of hubris, right? Um, but today, you know, she is, she is, I, I, you know, and honestly, I would have said that up until, you know, like a month ago. There, I saw a TikTok recently where somebody was saying, oh, Mother Earth is taxed and, you know, don't give her her, don't, don't do your grounding thing the way that you've been doing it, blah, 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 right? And um, I was like, mm, that's bullshit. And then before I went and made a video that says that bu- that's bullshit, I went and checked. And she was right. And I was like, well, shit, right? So, you know, the first thing is, is it's not about what you do. It's about what you don't do, right? So we're taught to take all of our negative energies and to ground them into the earth and turn them in for composting, right? Um, don't do that. Mother Earth does not need your compost right now. She is already taxed. She doesn't need to to deal with your crap too. So you need to transmute your own crap and not leave it to her to clean up after you, right? And so rather than grounding it into the ground, take it, look at it, see it as being the crap that it is, and then turn it into light and send it off into the universe. Don't be handing that shit to Mother Earth right now. That's the best thing we can do is stop toxifying her with our crap, right? 
So the, you know, in terms of being able to support Mother Earth, we are less in a in a position to do that than the fairies are. So, you know, cultivating fairies in your in your garden and help, you know, providing them with support because they support mother earth on a regular basis. That's their role Um, is, you know, we help the helpers. That's our best way to do it. So, you know, feeding the fairies, cultivating the fairies, you know, asking them what they need to help mother earth, you know, that sort of thing could be helpful. Um, If you have a lot of extra energy, and I don't know a lot of people who do these days, but if you're doing healing work, uh, if you're doing Reiki or anything like that, um, my closing at the end of my Reiki sessions when I was doing Reiki regularly was, you know, I send loving healing energy to Mother Earth and thank her for her sustenance and support. You just share a little bit of that healing energy that you're doing in your healing work at the end with Mother Earth. Um, and you're just channeling that. So, you know, there are people who are set up to run enough energy to make it worth Mother Earth's while <laughs> to receive it. Uh, but the rest of us are basically drops in a bucket, uh, and, and the bucket is the size of the planet, right? So we are teeny, teeny, tiny little drops. But if we all do teeny, tiny little drops, it actually makes a difference. Because that, that's going toward the collective I'll say so. So us acting as a collective, giving that positive energy, you know, one ant can't do anything, but a whole bunch of ants. We can accomplish a lot of shit. Yes. What was that song? This little Even ant. an ant can't move a rubber tree plant because he's got high, high hopes. hopes. That's it. That's it. <laughs> See, I knew exactly what you were asking. Exactly. I was like, what is it? Is it ever inappropriate when we're doing a ritual to call in the elements. No. Okay. So we can, so anything that, okay, well that, that was, that, that was easy folks. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, unless I know. So, so like if I'm no. doing a house, like if I'm, if I'm doing a house warding, if I'm pretending to protect myself, if I'm going ghost hunting, if I'm um, trying to connect with my spirit guides, it, that is all appropriateness to call in the elements. That's all cool. I mean, you can, you don't have to like do big ritual and call in elements to talk to your spirit guides. So, you know, you can do, you can call in the elements anytime. I mean, we're living within the elements. That's sort of the nature of being on the planet. Um, so there's, there's nothing that would be counter to that unless you were trying to do, if you were trying, the only thing I can think of is if you were trying to talk to aliens, they may not be compatible with the, with the elements. On, the, on this planet because they're not from this planet, right? If you've got a silicone life form, then, you know, calling in the elements to talk to a silicone-based life form is probably not conducive, but I, I don't think it would actively hurt it. Okay. I didn't know if they were like, in, like if they were, inco- if one thing is incompatible with something else. Mm, no, not really. Usually when you're calling in the elements, you're calling them in as a protection, Right. So you're, you're calling them in to create the sacred space in which you're going to do your working. And so they're there just as a protection for the container. They're not actually impacting the container itself. So the inter- the interior of the container. Right. So, yeah. So it's also get, getting uh, going on hunting season. You know, that's going to come up for this fall also. So when um, what's something I could do to have a successful hunt? And then when I do have the successful hunt, 
um, say thank you to the animal spirit for um, providing meat and fur and things like that. Native American culture has a lot of stuff uh, around this in particular. Um, the having a successful hunt would be, you know, just making a request, right? Talking to the ancestors to help you find the the animal and to and calling to the spirit of the animal who's willing to be sacrificed for that, right? Um, there's also, and, and I want to be really clear, I'm not sure if those are Native American practices or not. I, I I'm just feeling into what would be appropriate, right? Um, the I know what is a Native American practice, and you know, obviously everything varies by tribe. So I'm not being universal across tribes. So you know, don't come for me, please. Uh, it, but you know, more along those lines is that you are you honor the animal by using every piece of it. You don't waste anything. And so if you if this animal has offered itself up you need to honor that sacrifice by using it all. Right. Absolute clean kill. Just, you know, don't let it suffer. Uh, do not let a wounded animal, you know, walk. Cause that's just, no. Um, what about before? Is there something I could do to um, make an offering or something to help the success of the hunt? From a, uh, from a more pagan perspective, you could talk to Hearn, the, the um, God of the hunt. I did not know there was a God of the Hunt. Oh, Hearn? yes. Hearn. Okay. Um, you could talk to, there's also a, um, there's a, a Norse God of the Hunt as well. Uh, trying to remember which, what his name is. Um, he's the God of the Hunt as well as of games. Um, uh, you'll have to look him up. I can't remember his name right now. But if you go read, if you go watch the Almighty Scotty? John- Scotty? No. No. S-K-A-D-I? Nope. That's not what I'm thinking of. Oh, there's a, that's what came up on Google. <laughs> okay. Well, it could be that. So, but um, the Almighty Johnsons is a TV show based in actual uh, Norse mythology and really well done from that perspective. But it's a, uh, it's an, it was based in New Zealand and it ran for uh, like a year, maybe two. No, it wasn't very long, but um, all of the main characters were Norse gods. And so, you know, one of the main characters whose name is blanking on me was the Norse god that. And, and so, but yeah. So you can talk to Hearn. You can talk to, you know, any, I mean, Athena was goddess of the hunt in for the, for the Greeks. For the right? Greeks? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think it's Greek, not Roman. I always confuse them, but yes. So... But yeah, she's or Artemis. No, I'm sorry, not Athena. Artis, Artemis was goddess of the hunt. My bad. Um, you know, the, every pantheon has their own god or goddess of the hunt. So you could tap into whichever one's appropriate to you and talk to them. You could also talk to the Green Man, um, who is you know the masculine I'm form sorry. of Mother Earth. The Green Man. You the Green the Man that used to be directly behind me in my house that, that had the picture of the guy with the leaves. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a Green Man. So I did not know this. Okay, yeah. I'm learning all kind of cool stuff. All right, the Green Man. So the Green Man is the is the god of the forest. You know, um, so Hearn is a, a god of the forest as well. So is that Mother Earth's husband? He's sort of counterpart, not husband. Counterpart, not husband. Okay. Yeah, they're they're, they're not related. They're, they're not the same pantheon. They're they're just the Green Man is is 
less defined than Mother Earth in most you know, literature that I'm aware of. If there's somebody out there who knows more than I do, please. But I haven't seen an awful lot written about the green man. I've just seen a lot of imagery of the green man, right? It's, um, if you, if you love the Lord of the Rings books, Tom Bombadil is the green man. (laughs) So, um, and a lot of people, when the movies came out, were upset that Tom Bombadil was not, ooh, banging my microphone. (laughs) A lot of people were upset that Tom Bombadil was not, in the movies because he didn't move the plot. And so they couldn't put him in the movies, but he's the green man. So. All right. We have learned so much today. Oh my gosh. This was fun. This was fun. (laughs) This was fun. I like this. Yay. Practical application. Yay. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, you know, it feeds my analytical part of my brain. That's it. So and everybody right. wrote in saying, we love that one. Do that again. Exactly. Exactly. Out. Yeah. Y'all please write in with more. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Do we have uh, Kellyism for the day? Don't make magic more complicated than it has to be. I will second that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> from from an overachiever with a very analytical mind. Yeah. So we, we try to make it harder than it has to be. And it really doesn't. All right. That is awesome. We're going to end with that today. And uh, say everyone, please sign up for the newsletter um, so that y'all stay in touch and y'all know what's going on. You yes. To get first notice when we have sales. That's right. Yeah. That's y'all right. missed out. If you are not on the mailing list, y'all missed out on a sale of, of Inner Peace just before the price went up. Yeah. Because you never put that on sale. I, I can't. I don't think I've ever done it. I mean, outside of, you know, when the, when the, uh, the pandemic hit. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. I, and it was a big sale too. Yeah. yeah. So please sign up for that. And, uh, again, please like us and rate us and subscribe to us so, uh, we can get more and more new members to the tribe. All right. We need, and we need to be heard. Please, please, please share our podcast with everybody, you know, because that's how we grow. We've sort of stagnated. We're, we're sort of stuck at the same number of downloads every month and have been for a while now. So we, we could really use your help to get over the hump. All right. Well, that's all that we have for this week, folks. Y'all tune in next week when Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Jules here with Kelly Sparta, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. Bye. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon. Within my car, I'm all alone. But feeling good and feeling strong. Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself. I'm driving. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue 
and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half, guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.